So welcome, Rhonda. Thank you. And uh, do you want to tell everybody what you do and kind of how long you've been doing it, how you felt called to it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Rhonda Kalatung. I own, um, I'm a life coach, a certified life coach and a practicing Catholic. I have done some studies in theology of the body. And then um, I'm also a homeschooling mother of three and I help direct a homeschool co-op. So I have a lot of plates kind of spinning as most of, most of you do. But I decided um, a year ago to take my certification as a life coach um, because I just felt really called to that work. And I saw how powerful the tools that life coaching offers are. And I was looking for personal transformation. And once I got into the personal transformation, I just really was attracted to that work. So I was like, I want to be a life coach. This is really impactful. And so I was taking my life coach um, training my certification. I'm certified through the life coach school. And one day when I was in adoration, I was journaling and before the blessed sacrament, and I was asking God who he wants me to serve. And in the silence of my heart, I saw an impression of a website. And on one side were the words, theology of the body. I was like, yeah. And on the other side, um, were the words pornography. And I was like, no. <laughs> so um, this started a sort of a prayer dialogue back and forth between God and I, where I was like, wait, you want me to do what? You want me to coach people who use pornography? What? <laughs> it was very um, out of the blue. And there yeah. was a lot of interior resistance to it because like who wants to market themselves to strangers and be like, Oh, hi, would you like to yeah. come talk to me about your porn use? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Best conversation opener ever. Like right? cocktail parties would be great. Yeah. yeah. So what do you do? So I use my, so like the shorter answer to your question is I use my life coaching tools and the teachings from theology of the body to help people who are struggling with pornography or who are affected by pornography. And I teach them sort of the theological, um, moral um, piece of it. And then I teach them the life coaching tools that help them because there's ways that you can desensitize your brain from something like pornography. Um, so teaching them the tools to manage their minds and to feel their feelings in a healthy way so that they can manage those temptations to use pornography and over time desensitize their brain and become somebody who formerly struggled with porn, but who now it's, not, it's just a complete non-issue for them. So that's what I did. <laughs> trying to kind of wean themselves off the dopamine. Exactly. Right. Now, yeah. with the theology of the body piece, you're, I, I assume you're showing them a whole different framework to look at relationships and respect. And they, they've probably maybe not encountered before. Yeah, it's interesting because pornography is, is an ultimate perversion of everything that sex is meant to be. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they have become used to seeing sex and the in in this twisted kind of a way and so what theology of the body does is it writes that vision mm -hmm. it corrects the vision it's like actually this is the true vision and purpose and beauty 
of not only sex as in like sexual intercourse, but sex, your sexuality, right? What it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be in relationship, what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the big piece there is like, who are you and whose image are you made in? And what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be in relationship? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, and then also you said the coat, there's these tools. So in the moment they're, they're more aware of what they're feeling. So they're seeking relief from boredom or relief from discomfort, or there's some feeling that they're often avoiding, right? Yes. Yes. Often. And if, if you think of it, pornography is really good at distracting. It's, we think of the brain or one way to look at the brain is that there's the primitive brain, which is interested in keeping us alive and keeping us safe. And then we have our prefrontal brain, which is our highest self, which is, which is responsible for, um, long-term planning, um, is able to accept short-term discomfort, is able to make decisions. Um, and so, so when we're looking at pornography, people who are choosing porn are choosing it from their more primitive brain, which is seeking to, you're seeking pleasure, avoiding pain and conserving energy. So that's what that (laughs) primitive brain is really motivated by. And pornography checks all of those boxes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You're conserving relationship energy. You don't have to work for it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And do you find that in other areas of life, they, I mean, they have to kind of flex those same muscles to be able to use their free prefrontal cortex and tolerate the discomfort and the delay. And yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. In life coach training, we say all roads lead to Rome and also how you do one thing is how you do everything. Mm -hmm. And, and we do see that in our lives where it's like, Oh, I thought I was only doing that with food, but now I see I'm doing that with finances and relationships too. And so I was like, Oh, that's kind of Right. Right. The place. So absolutely. And that's one of the things that excites me the most about coaching is that people come to, to me because they're struggling with pornography use. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we give, like, I give them the tools and teach them how to manage their mind, how to manage their thinking and how to process their emotions. And then they downregulate their, their porn use. Mm-hmm. Um, and retrain their brain. And then they can use those exact same tools to craft a life to get what they're really looking for. So for example, if you're turning to pornography because you're bored and you're looking for um, like excitement or a challenge or some kind of um, like engagement, like a real kind of engagement to alleviate Mm -hmm. that boredom, you can you can use those life coaching tools to seek that and to find fulfillment for those things. And so I, it's like, it's like you stop using the porn and you start becoming the person that God has called you to be. It's so exciting. (laughs) So do you find that your clients, they get in the door for porn and then in the course of a few months, they say, Oh, I've taken up archery or Backpack, or they're you know they're doing something that's challenging and engaging that's very mm-hmm. different. 
Yeah, well, often, often they have a particular goal in mind. So perhaps they want to um, improve a relationship with a spouse, for example, or with their children, or they might want to lose weight, they might want to make more like do a business kind of venture. Or um, I even had one client who really wanted to go to the seminary, but he's like, you know what, I just need to finish. I just need to take care of this first. Right. So, so he was able to, um, to stop using porn and stop masturbating and then to pursue that calling. So that's very, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So sometimes people come and they don't necessarily know what's going to unfold. They just know that back. So something's their, their spouse or a girlfriend or someone has pointed out that this is not working or they've realized that on their own. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Often it's a, it's it's related to a feeling like I feel out of control, mm-hmm. or this is stressing me out, or um, my family is noticing that I'm not being myself, or okay. I made an I made an like I made a date with a, to meet up with a friend, and I and I ditched to watch porn, and wow. that's not cool, right? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. yeah, yeah, that would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they start, they, they start to see things because ultimately what, what, what happens is um, you have an uncomfortable feeling and you suppress it in some way by using pornography or, and this is an interesting point, like overeating, over drinking, using social media, turning to any number of things from, for me, I like to escape into a book, into a novel, right? Like, so if, there's like some kind of uncomfortable thing and you suppress that um, by doing, um, we call them a buffering activities. So you suppress that by doing a buffering activity and then the activity is over. And usually there's a negative consequence from that activity. So maybe you've missed a date with a friend, you've missed connecting with family, you've missed, you know, doing the chores that you promised yourself you were going to do when you woke up in the morning, or um, you've missed an opportunity to do a business deal, like there's some kind of or you've eaten, you know, 12 cookies and have to deal with the consequences of that. So you're not only left with the consequences from the buffering, but you're left with the original uncomfortable feeling because the kicker is that those buffering activities, the pornography, the reading, the overeating, they will temporarily alleviate the negative feeling, but only temporarily, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. the, so the hook is, oh, that worked. I'm going to do it again, but we forget. <laughs> right, because right. you're still in your primitive brain that wants that immediate totally. gratification. Yeah. 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 So we end up making it worse for ourselves. So eventually we get to the point where like, oh, we're significant, you know, like these genes don't fit. I don't like that. Right. Or um, I'm missing out on things that I really actually do want because I'm using porn or because I'm over drinking or, you know, any number of things. So, yeah. And could you, could you explain the distinction that you described in your video between use and habit and addiction? Cause I think that's cool to think about. Yeah, it has a lot to do with the how the the use of the word the semantics make you feel, right? So if I say, um, I use coffee to boost my mood, Mm -hmm. it's very different from saying, um, 
I have a coffee habit, right? Like even like the habitual is very different from saying I'm addicted to coffee. Right. So there's something about that. I use coffee that like that's in my control, right? So Mm. I might use coffee or alcohol or pornography, right? That puts me in control. If I have a habit, it's like, yeah, I'm starting to lose control. Mm -hmm. But if I'm addicted, you say I'm addicted to that thing. And so that thing has the control and the power over you, right? right? You become powerless. And so a lot of people describe themselves as addicted to porn. They'll come to me for help and they say, I'm addicted to porn. Are they clinically addicted? Well, clinicians can't actually agree over whether pornography is a true addiction, right? Um, But some people do experience like compulsive um, use of pornography where it, it functions as an addiction, right? Um, but for most people, for the vast majority of people, that's just shorthand for saying I use porn way more than I want to. Right. 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 We use it. We use addiction when it's a habit, but we have kind of negative feelings about it, but we go, we could stop if we really had a good enough reason. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. So most, so I really encourage people like stop, stop saying I'm an addict right? Mm-hmm. Stop saying I'm addicted to and take that power back and say, Oh, I have a porn habit. It just feels different. It gives you a different place of power. <laughs> and I, I just think it's just a much more useful way to think and look at it. So. Right. No, that totally, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And I, I imagine that you're working with people of all ages and both male and female. Yeah. It's a, it's endemic yeah. <laughs> pornography. But I know a lot of people that are going to watch this are going to be moms and wives. So I imagine there's slightly different tactics that you would pursue as a wife or as a mother, mm-hmm. if you expect, or you know that this is even being used, never mind a habit, right? You yeah. really want to catch it in the use phase when they're first being exposed. Yeah. And we know that's going to happen all the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what would you say? should be the conversation around this question in a home. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a big fan of the proper use of words, right. And of, of having vocabulary to discuss something. So even what is pornography and this is going to, this is going to be a conversation that really depends on the, the, the child or the person that you're talking to. Right. But mm-hmm. um, it, it, it might be as simple as saying, um, like pornography is is a a representation of sex that's that's not true right okay like it could be just as basic as that right so I think having having a place to discuss it or being like okay we are allowing you now to be online and you may encounter images that you find uncomfortable. Like you may encounter things as you're out, out there online that are um, upsetting for you. And this, this might come up because we do know um, that porn is pushed and um, promoted to certain groups of people, right? Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. my husband complains about it. It's like, I'm... Yeah. You know, I just want to look up this article on Star Trek. Like, really, like, what yeah. is all? 
you know, your mail, it just feeds you that. Yeah, exactly. If you're, if you're male, it just feeds you that, um, which is, which is frustrating. Um, and also the other thing is the average age age of exposure is trending down. Um, so the average age of exposure is somewhere between like eight and 11 years of age, which is, yeah. and scary my community described that they were trying to shelter their boys but the boys were in little league and some kid snuck his phone into the dugout even though there's not dugout and that's what he was showing kids so then they had to backtrack and do a theology of the body lesson and talk about respect and the appropriate use of sex and that was not what they wanted their first their kids first introduction to be 100 percent. and um would you use words with, I don't know what age a boy, would you use words like you're going to see pictures sometimes of girls who are naked or almost naked? Would you use that word or would you just say you're going to see weird pictures? I, don't, I think it really depends on the child and the sensitivity and the heart of the child. Like, I don't know if I could categorically say, but you did bring up a really good point, And that is that a grounding in theology of the body is almost like an inoculation against pornography, right? Because mm-hmm. if I truly understand who I am as a woman and made in the image and likeness of God, when porn, when I encounter pornography, there's a natural revulsion to it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think the best conversations are, um, you're beautifully and wonderfully made. Um, you are growing into a young man or a young woman. And this, that's what this means. And this is what this means in our faith tradition. And I'm excited for you to encounter these things. And um, you're going to have longings of your heart, or you're going to start to feel sort of a sexual attraction you may be interested in. Like just just normalizing the conversation as mm-hmm. much as possible and, and being proactive and um, yeah, just being proactive because we don't right. want them, you know, like <clears throat> in the dugout. Yeah. <laughs> the little <laughs> yeah. Well, with, with the girls, I thought they don't know what they don't know what porn is. I don't want to explain to them, but I said, you know, oh, sometimes yeah. you could see weird pictures mm-hmm. Sometimes someone could even orchestrate a situation where they show you weird pictures. Mm-hmm. And I know, some families have a rule. You can never look at anyone's phone except your mom and dad's never right. ever look at a phone. And so that's just a categorical rule, which seems very prudent. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I've told my girls is, you know, about modesty. It's not that, you know, men can't control themselves, or whatever, but it's, it's a question of respect. And mm-hmm. when you dress in a way that shows a reasonable amount of skin instead of a huge amount of skin um, and you're, you're highlighting your personality so they can get to know you as a person. You don't mm-hmm. want to think them to think of you as a body. Yeah. You want to be thought of as a person who probably happens to have a beautiful body if you're very fit and young. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, finding that distinction and saying, this is why we, I don't want you to wear certain things, or I'm going to tell right. you that shirt is too low because it's going to be drawing too much attention away from your personality. It's, yeah. it's, it's hard for a guy to concentrate on getting to know you. And a a nice guy would rather you wore more conservative clothing so they can focus on getting to know you without having to manage all of that very normal, very normal sexuality. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
the other thing that I think is interesting to talk about is like, is that desire for intimacy is universal mm-hmm. and it's God given. Right. Right. So yeah. under, understanding how that intimacy is correctly fulfilled in this life, I think is, is an important part of the conversation too. Right. So, yeah. And yeah, so that, yeah, theology of the body, I think is the best sort of protection Mm -hmm. in that situation. The other piece that we sort of touched on briefly is learning how to process your emotions in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And the way that, because because if you're experiencing that negative emotion and you're squirreling, like you're feeling squirrely in your body, like I just can't handle it, I have to get away. And you're turning to something to avoid that feeling, that's gonna be problematic, not just with pornography, but in any of the other areas that we mentioned previously, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that learning to be uncomfortable in your body and how to process your emotions is hugely important. And it can be as simple as um, imagining that your body is a bell and that the emotion has struck the bell, right? Mm -hmm. And so the sound will come and it will crest and it will vibrate and then it will fade away. Mm -hmm. So most uncomfortable emotions are like that if we just allow them to be without trying Mm -hmm. to avoid them. They're very short lived. They may be very intense, but they actually can't hurt you. And all you have to do is let them be. So, um, and another thing is just, is just the vocabulary. It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling frustrated right now. Mm -hmm. And just, I feel frustrated. And then just just kind of becoming meta on yourself, like watching yourself. It's like, what does frustration feel like in my body? It's like, oh, my teeth are like, I'm clenching my teeth and I'm Mm -hmm. feeling like this fight energy in my chest. And I've got this kind of buzzing and like my hands are clenched, you know, like this is what frustration feels like in my body. Mm -hmm. Or it might be um, stress is another one. Like, oh, I noticed that my, I'm tensing these muscles along my neck right now. And that um, it feels like there's a pit of swirling red um, smoky substance in the pit of my stomach, right? Mm-hmm. Like just mm-hmm. even be able, being able to become kind of scientific about it and um, like, okay. And then just noticing like how that, how that feeling, how that in your body moves and changes over time and just, mm-hmm. just just that process, right? Because then you're feeling the feeling instead of avoiding the feeling. And it just circumvents all kinds of problems later on. So I think theology of the body and learning how to feel your feelings are two things that any parent can do at any age. Like we can start that with a toddler and we do often do it in toddlerhood. Like, are you sad? That's right. And then we, then by the time they get to be teens, we're like, pull it together. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're teaching them to suppress their emotions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. kind of at that age or you know um so or, they, or they just feel embarrassed because they want to have it together because they want us to view them as big yeah oh yeah I'm glad you said embarrassment because when I first started life coaching embar- I would do almost anything to avoid feeling embarrassed mm-hmm. right and then God called me to talk about porn on the internet 
<laughs> I was like, I have a job for you. <laughs> exactly. Um, I just you just get to practice feeling embarrassed until it's just not an issue. Anymore. Yeah. So now I realize, like, yes, I still find embarrassment uncomfortable. I don't like the way it feels in my body, but it actually doesn't hurt me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's actually yeah, it's it's not an issue. I can feel embarrassment. Yeah. But you know, I think I've heard, I don't know, therapists talk about this. Shame feels like death, right? Mm. Feel like you're out of whatever your village or your tribe, you've, you've made a mistake, you've made a mm. you know, wrong thing. And so it is, um, I mean, embarrassment is like the, the watered down version of shame, but it's still a little piece of that kind of like, oh, make it stop, right? Like, can I fall through the floor now kind of thing? And totally. Um, yeah. And I see it. I mean, some people definitely seem more prone to this than others. And then it, if people have any ex- early sexual experiences of, of abuse or overexposure, or or, yeah, yeah, that's right. Promiscuity. I mean, the amount of shame that accumulates because of that, yes. I, um, particularly with other women, I will sometimes sense that. And I don't really, I'm not a life coach. I'm not, it's not my job to treat that yeah. or help it, but but it's, it's palpable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like it affects other areas. Like when you go into have babies, you know, mm-hmm. you that shame with you into childbirth. And it is one more thing that can make things not go smoothly. There's of mm-hmm. course there's tons of physical things and luck and everything, but it's yeah. one more piece of that. Yeah. Um, and then, and then sometimes in relationships, people hold that over each other. Oh, you were the, the crazy one. And yeah. So do you, um, I, I imagine that a lot of what you're doing with people is getting them used to tolerating that particular yes. uncomfortable feeling, whether yes. they're ashamed, just thinking about themselves yes. and nobody knows, or whether they're ashamed that someone found out. And this is like, this is like the teenage boy's worst nightmare, like absolute worst nightmare for it to real to think that their mom could know yes. that they had sexual feelings right it's just yeah. like embarrassing yeah. um yeah so i mean if a mom found that her boy was using porn mm-hmm. what would be the script you'd tell her to say or i mean maybe she could lead with theology of the body or maybe she's just thinking the less i say the better i need to say one sentence and walk out and this this could be where it'd be it'd be interesting to notice your own reaction right as a mother mm-hmm. so first I would say what does this bring up for you what do you think about it mm-hmm. like do you think oh this is normal this was bound to happen or do you think this is the end of the world do you think it's a reflection of your parenting do you think there's something wrong with your child or your spouse um, so there's, there's an awareness piece there that I think is really important, but, um, yeah, so you discover your child is using porn or you discover your spouse is using porn. The, it's never about you. So mm-hmm. that's, that's one thing to remember. It's never right. about you. It's always about the person, um, realize that, that it's, that person is seeking something, what they're seeking is good, right? Mm. What they're seeking is of God. They're seeking a fulfillment of, of, of an actual pure desire within their person, right? Like that, mm. 
that that people do fulfill through. So there's what they're seeking is good. They're seeking it in a misguided way. Okay. Right. And also we talked about like pornography is one form of buffering, right? Yeah. It's, 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 you're either avoiding something or you're seeking something. So how would you feel if you found that your child had eaten an entire bag of potato chips? Yeah. It's funny. Cause we're not, well, especially if it's teenage boy, you know, they're just going to soak up the calories. So we don't worry about that the same way, but for a life habit, it's, <laughs> it's something yeah. to us to say, Hey, yeah. it seems like you were really hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Next time, maybe you should eat real food kind of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, let's, let's get you some healthier options. Yeah. Or like, were you eating because you were actually hungry or were you stressed or were you zoned out or like, what was going on there? Right. So um, I think the hardest thing to do as a parent, as a mother is to um, create a safe space for the conversation because your emotions and your thoughts are probably going crazy, right? Alarm bells are ringing and, and it's triggering for you, for you as well. So, but ideally in a perfect world, you would go to that child and say like, so tell me the story, like what happens? Um, Has this been going on for a while? What does it do for you? What are you seeking? Like, do you find that you're like, just being more kind of open, curious, um, Mm -hmm. scientific, like more math, less drama, if that makes sense, (laughs) you know, like, you know, how long have you been using it? Like, when did you first encounter that? How do you feel afterwards? Do you know what I mean? Like those kinds of, of things, what are your thoughts about it? you know, because that's going to, um, allow them if they, if you can do that without freaking out, then you can both have this space to create an understanding and then you can go from there. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay. And then you can become an ally, right. It's like, because I think secretly everybody wants to be caught. they say about yeah. a lot of these sorts of things where people are doing ridiculous things and they're just not that careful to yeah. hide their footsteps. In some cases they really are. And we were speaking about this. You said that people can be too confident in the apps and covenant eyes and stuff. And yeah, but if someone were truly motivated, they would absolutely find a way to buy a paper copy of something. They do it the old fashioned way or get a burner phone or yeah go on dark mode or all the different things that I don't even know how to do, yeah. but a major would. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it, I do think like, I would never tell someone don't use a filter, right? <laughs> like I would never say that. So, so if that's right for you and for your family, and if it works for you, then hundred percent use a filter, get an accountability partner. Right. But um, research and anecdotal experience and kind of evidence suggests that if you that if you really want to use the pornography, you'll find a way because that filter is external yeah. to you, right? What you want to do is address the things that are happening internally, right? So that you become your own filter, right? Right. So that you're like oh, I'm tempted to use porn right now. That's because I'm thinking it's going to fix something for me. Mm -hmm. 
I know it's not going to fix something for me. This is your, your prefrontal cortex talking, right? Like, I know right. that's actually not going to fix something for me. I also know that I want to use it. Hmm, how am I feeling right now? And you do like a body check, right? Like, oh, right. I'm feeling really agitated. Okay, well, I would rather feel agitated and just feel that then feel <laughs> agitated, use porn, and then have the consequences of the using the porn and the agitation. <laughs> like, Right, right. And do you suggest particular, I mean, I know so many moms of teenage boys say, oh, just keep them active, keep them active. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, there's that physical need to just move and, and just dissipate some of that energy that they are not going to be using in a sexual way at this point. Yeah. Is that something you end up counseling some of your clients to do? Or do you don't want them to go into that as? No, like, I think, I think that's fascinating because there are like testosterone cycles through the body, right? Like mm -hmm. there are reasons why men wake up first thing in the morning and they're very interested yeah. in sex, right? Like, because yeah. they, they're having a testosterone peak. So I think there's tremendous value in even saying like, so if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're aroused, what are you going to do? Right. Mm -hmm. like, you need to have a plan for these things. So right hundred percent. Like it used to be like, sit on your hands and say 10 Hail Marys. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Which, now it's probably burpees or yeah, kettlebells or something, right? Or something. Right. Yeah. But, but even just being aware of like, isn't there just a value in like, of course I'm horny right now. It's the first thing in the morning. I've had a great sleep. I have tons of energy. I'm a healthy right. young man. Like, of yeah. course I'm this is, but isn't that like, that's virility, right? Like, yeah, exactly. That's what it is. That's what it means to be a man, right? That's it's right. part of being a man. So like, just even having that conversation, like this is normal. And then, and yeah. then coming up with a plan for like, okay, so when this happens, cause it's not an if it's a when, right? right? It's <laughs> when, the healthier you are, the more often the when is. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, like how, like, what do you want to do? And um, this is something that's triggered me. Like, I really want to reach out to like a formation director in a seminary and be like, okay, so spill it. What do you tell your seminarians to do? Yeah. When they're experiencing this, because I actually don't know. So I'm, I'm very interested in that sort of right. dynamic and too, because there's this whole monastic tradition, like men have been formed, young men have been formed as priests for millennia. They feed them differently. It's a thing. Yeah. They feed them um, exercise and sleep. But also the vegetarian tradition of diet and not eating eggs and onions because it's so much sulfur and it makes the test. There's like they had noticed this connection. And in Asian medicine, they say man should not eat shrimp on long journey away from wife. Okay. <laughs> so they, you know, and oysters. I mean, these things have a reputation for a reason, because they're full of some nutrient that, you know, is helping virility. So, yeah. yeah. But I mean, for a teenager, it sounds kind of like maybe that, that morning five mile run or bike ride would be the thing to do mm -hmm. um, before they have to try to settle down and focus on school, which must yeah. be not easy yeah. when you've got this going on. Yeah. 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 And stay off your phone first thing in the morning, right? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> not helping anything <laughs> right right get outside get some fresh air yeah okay yeah but just be aware like it's normal it's natural have a plan yeah okay, right? like, okay. no one should be surprised that their teenage boys are sexual right 
The human race wouldn't exist if this did not work this way. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just because we have all kinds of squeamish baggage feelings about it, right? Like, right. Right. Yeah. And so if a mom is feeling super activated, would you, and she catches her son, would you say, would you tell her to say, um, let's talk about this tomorrow or are you just kind of just like buy yourself some time so she can think and pray a lot before she, you know, and try to get to that place. Cause I think it it would probably take a few hours, honestly, to get to that place of being calm and trying to be curious. And then of course the kid's going to be embarrassed and they, it would take them a few hours to not be super defensive. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. I think again, that's a dynamic that would be, that would be family by family and person yeah. by person, right? Like there are certain things that you that you really can't talk about when you're having a stress response. Not a mm-hmm. great time to have a conversation. So make sure that you're not in a stress response, that your child is not in a stress response or your spouse or whomever you're talking to, right? Like make sure that, mm-hmm. that we're not stressing out. And then, um, but I would reassure the person because it would be, I don't know, it just, I had a flashback to like, I had one of my, my, one of my children used to be really upset about timeouts, right? Mm-hmm. Like that separation yep. and the kind of waiting for the conversation was way more right. stressful than the actual conversation or the actual consequence, right? right. So That's it was, it's, yeah. it would be better for that child to address it in the moment, so, but you know, your children, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, and you know yourself. Right. So right. if a mom could say, Hey, this isn't this isn't really what you ought to be doing with your time. And you probably know that. So let's talk about it. We can talk about it now. We can talk about it in an hour tomorrow. And yeah. yeah. Okay. Depending on where they're both at. Yeah. 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 Okay. Might be out of the blue, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, I know that people throughout time have had to deal with this on some level, mm-hmm. um, but it used to be like, hundred years ago, it'd be National Geographic pictures or something, right? It was, it was hard to find exciting, fair. Yeah. What, like I was talking to a man in his fifties and he was saying like, when I was a boy, you had to go find it. Right? Mm-hmm. Like if you, that was a, it was really intentional and it was a thing, you know, and you could talk yourself out of it all along the way. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in this day and age, it's coming to find you. Right. Yeah. Right? Yep. So it's the dynamic has changed hundred percent. So, right. Yeah. But I do I think, think it's great. there's gr- such growing awareness, even in the secular world, that this is not a good thing for your brain, that it, it, it kind of keeps ramping up and up and up. And dopamine is an endless hamster wheel yeah. and wrecks your relationships. If you keep indulging, you know, yeah. which is great. I think it's great that non-religious people are also speaking out and saying, getting off porn changed my life, yeah. which is yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 So I, yeah, I wasn't excited about the call when I got it. But as you can tell through our conversation, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about the work I do now. <laughs> so. Yeah. And you have mostly you don't have like a website yet. You're just having an Instagram and a scheduler. 
I have for, an Instagram and a scheduler and a TikTok and a scheduler. Okay. So any, anyone who's listening to this podcast is welcome to book a call with me. And there would be like a one hour free coaching session. And it could be to discuss like, Hey, I'm a mom. I've discovered that my child is using porn or my spouse is using porn or I'm using porn because women do use porn too. And it's a growing demographic, right? Um, 14% of Christian women admit to using porn once a month or more. So that's more and more on the rise. And um, so you can just type in coachingwithrhonda.as.me and my scheduler will come up or you can find me on Instagram or TikTok at Catholics Free for Life. And you can book Instagram is probably better to book through there because the link is live. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it the link and book. Yeah. So you can, yeah, I would be happy to just have like, have like a mom conversation. Like, let's talk about mm-hmm. it. I'm happy to coach um, or to talk more or geek out about theology of the body. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to stop. Recording. Yeah. And um, I hope lots of people check out your Instagram because so many people are already on it. So many moms are already on it. And yeah. then um, maybe your TikTok, although less moms are on that. So. Yeah. <laughs> I know I wasn't.